It's been 10 days since the disciples saw Jesus ascend into heaven on the Mount of Olives. It's been 10 days that they have all gathered together waiting in the upper room. There were many when they first started out, but now their numbers have dwindled down to a mere 120. So what are we waiting for? Hello all, and welcome to this Friday's A Victorious Life Is Yours podcast. Be sure that you continue to wait as we look at the reset. I'll be right back. Every life needs a purpose to which it can give the energies of its mind and the enthusiasm of its heart. Hello all, and welcome to A Victorious Life is Yours. There is a place here reserved just for you to be inspired, uplifted, encouraged, and strengthened in your daily walk of life in every area of your life, spirit, mind, and body. I'm Renee Marie Jones, your host, and I love and live to empower people to make a difference in their own lives as well as everyone that they come into contact with. So, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get started, Victorious Ones. Good afternoon, all, and welcome to this Friday's A Victorious Life is Yours podcast. Well, we are going to move on as we continue looking at what the disciples were up to. Now, from our last podcast, as we looked at the pause, we saw what the disciples did after Jesus' resurrection. We saw that for 40 days after his resurrection, he visited the disciples, spent time with the disciples, taught the disciples, and got them prepared for their mission, the great commission that he gave them. So, when he ascended, which was last Friday, he ascended into heaven, he gave the disciples a command. And that's where we're going to pick up today as we look at the reset. Pentecost. Pentecost is coming upon us. It will be this coming Sunday. And Pentecost actually occurs 50 days after for the Christians 50 days after Resurrection Sunday. Now, according to the Jewish calendar and to the Jewish tradition, Pentecost occurred 50 days after Passover, if you include actually the day of Passover. So this coming Sunday is Pentecost. Now, what does reset? Let's look at the definition for reset because that's what we're talking about. While the disciples were spending time with Jesus, they basically were on pause. It simply meant that they were not doing anything because Jesus was teaching them, training and preparing them. But after his ascension, God was about to do a reset. So what does reset mean? Reset, to set, adjust, fix in a new or different way. And that's the last part that I want us to look at, to fix in a new or different way. So before Pentecost, that is what Jesus was getting ready to do. Now he's gone. He has ascended into heaven. And it's been 10 days that the disciples have been in the upper room. Now we left off in Acts chapter one, where it said that Jesus gave the commission and gave the command that you are to tarry here and wait 
for the power from on high. And when this power comes, you are going to be witnesses of me. You're going to be witnesses of me, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to be witnesses in Judea, Jumeria, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and the uttermost parts of the world. So the disciples were in a pause mode even for 10 days as they were awaiting in the upper room. So let's back up and we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 23 as we look at Pentecost because that's where we first find it. Leviticus chapter 23. And let's start at verse 15. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Okay. So remember, Sabbath is a week. Okay. So seven weeks shall be completed. Verse 16, count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath when you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So Leviticus, in this chapter of Leviticus, we are looking at the various offerings. So we had the weekly Sabbath, we had Passover, we had uh, unleavened bread on the 15th day of the month, we had the Feast of uh, first the the, the uh, feast of first fruits and now we're looking at Pentecost. So 50 days after Passover they were to offer this new grain offering to the Lord. Verse 17 says, you shall bring from your habitation two loaves of ten two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull, two rams, and they shall be as a burnt offering to the Lord with the grain offering and the drink offering, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So these were the thing, three things that were to be offered on this Pentecost offering. It was to be two loaves of bread. It was to be a young animal without blemish. And it was also to be a drink offering. Verse 19 says, Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goat as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of peace offering. The, peace, the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. So this is when Pentecost was first instituted and they were given instructions as to how they were to observe Pentecost. Now, 49 days after the Exodus, and even when we, this is 49 days after the Exodus, they had already exited out from Egypt. This was 49 days going forward on the other side of the Red Sea. And God is starting to give them the instructions about Pentecost. Okay, again, seven weeks after the fact, counting the day, the actual day is 40, 50 days, 50 days. This Sunday, this coming Sunday will be 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay. So let's look at some more facts about Pentecost and what was going on. So on this particular day, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, 
or Acts chapter one. We're going to kind of go back and look at Acts chapter one, the latter part of that. So go into the New Testament, go into Acts chapter one, which is where uh, Jesus met the disciples. And when he told them what to do uh, all before he ascended, Acts chapter one. And we are going to uh, look at the latter part of that, starting in verse 12, because it just says that they returned to Jerusalem and then they entered into the upper room. It tells us who all were in the upper room, which was most of the disciples were there. And verse 14 tells us how they were there in the upper room. They were in one accord and they were in a prayer mode. Also, it was there that uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, stood up and and um uh, let the disciples know that they needed to replace Judas Iscariot who had betrayed Jesus so that their number could continue to be 12. They drew lots and uh, Matthias was chosen to take the place. Now, chapter two. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. There it is in one place. They were all with one accord in one place. So, now, the day of Pentecost, it says that they were all with one accord in one place. This is the 120. And suddenly, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, during Pentecost, there were many, many people who were there. There were many people who were in Jerusalem. There were people who had gathered to celebrate what the Jews called Shabbat, which was also known as the Feast of Weeks, because remember, it was seven weeks, seven weeks. So Shabbat. So it usually occurred around late May or early June. On the Shabbat, all the Jews were commanded to travel to Jerusalem to commemorate that feast. Now, the Hebrew word Shabbat means weeks or sevens. And it hints to the fact that this festival happens exactly seven weeks after, we already looked at that, after the Jewish Passover. And it also commemorated that this was the time that Jesus or that God, I'm sorry, had freed the Israelites from slavery and oppression, bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So now the Feast of Shabbat was the anniversary of the day when God also, because it was the same time when God also gave the Torah to the Hebrews at Mount Sinai. Okay, so this is where Moses received the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And sometimes uh, this is called the Feast of Ingathering because it also marked the wheat harvest. So this was a wheat harvest that they were also celebrating. Now, remember, as we just said, this was the time of year that all Jews were commanded to go to Jerusalem from the days of Moses in the wilderness when they first instituted Pentecost up until this time that we're looking at now. Jews were commanded and Jews traveled from near and from far to uh, go to Jerusalem to appear there. Now, Pentecost is the Greek name for Shabbat, and it literally means 50th. So 50th is what Pentecost means. 
because it is seven weeks again or 49 days after Passover if we include Passover as that day okay so now who all were there so let's look at that and we're going to get down into so the disciples were there something happened that had never happened before we read that there suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind chapter 2 now when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So picture this, picture 120 souls in this room, picture and hear the sound of the rushing mighty wind. It says it sounded, there was a sound that came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and then it filled the whole house and then picture as it were tongues of fire that sat on the heads or right above we should say it says here that sat upon each of them and then they were filled with the holy spirit so a lot was going on here a rushing mighty wind filling the whole house and then tongues of fire resting upon each and every person who was in that room. And then they began to do something that they were not doing. They began to speak with other tongues. Now, this other tongues means other than the Jewish tongue, the Aramaic tongue, because that's basically the, the language of the Jews in Jesus's day, Aramaic. OK, now these were Jews all from Galilee. Remember that. Now, verse three says there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, these people who were gathered together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, mind you, these were Jewish men and women speaking in Aramaic, but the people who were gathered there uh, were gathered there in Jerusalem were of other nations and tongues and tribes. And it said that they heard them speak in their own language, in their own language. They heard them speak. Okay. So this is interesting. Now I'm going to take a little aside here because when we look at the book of Acts, Again, Luke wrote his own gospel, Luke, and then he continued the gospel in the book of Acts. The, act, the book of Acts has often been called the act of the apostles. Well, it was the act of the apostles. However, it was also or probably more dominantly the act of the Holy Spirit. Because of this particular day right here, we're going to see as you look and, and that's going to be your homework is to go to read the book of Acts. But when you read the book of Acts, because of what happened here, but Jesus had already prophesied it. He said, you shall be witnesses to me after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, which is happening right here. 
This was happening at nine o'clock in the morning, mind you. So this was an early morning encounter. You know, woe to those who decided that I'm going to sleep in. And as we already looked at the fact that there were many, many people that started out, but only 120 people actually were available, were in place to receive what God had for them. It is so key, God's timing. It's so key because whenever God is going to do something, he has a set time and a set people that he's going to do it with. Now, whether or not you or I in that place and in that position, it's really all up to us. Oftentimes we are out of place and we miss a move of God. This was a move of the spirit of God. And those who were not there on that particular morning because of whatever reasons, laziness, too early in the morning, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I gotta stop and get a cup of coffee, I haven't fed the children yet, whatever their reasons for not being there, they missed out. Okay, so who were there? Seven says, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then we have the list starting in verse nine of all who were there. Okay, so let's look at the people or the nations that were represented there. Parthenians and Medes and Elamites. Parthenians and Medes and Elamites those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, okay? Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites. These were faithful Jewish men that were living in what is now present-day Iran. Parthia was located in the northeast media, it was in the northeast of what is modern-day Iran, Media in the northwest, and Elam in the south, just north of the Persian Gulf. At the time of this writing, all of these were part, these regions were part of the Parthian Empire. And they were most likely descendants of those who had been uh, deported after the fall of the Kingdom of Israel. So the Northern Kingdom of Israel fell and then they were dispersed throughout. Well, they were uh, uh, taken over by the Assyrians who captured them. And that's from the Northern Kingdom. And then the Southern Kingdom of Judah. They never went back to live in Israel, but they continued to live in those regions. And so these were Jews. These were Jewish people that happened to have been dispersed into these regions, which is modern day Iran, as we know it today. Mesopotamia. Look at Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia were, again, Jewish men who were living in what is now modern day Iraq, Kuwait and western Syria which is around the Tigris and Euphrates River. And it's interesting that the Tigris and Euphrates River, which was first mentioned in Genesis, are the only two rivers that are still current today that were mentioned in the book of Genesis. They're still in the area of Iraq, Kuwait, and Western Syria now. So at the time of the book of Acts, Mesopotamia, that region was a Roman province as well. Now, the, you know, the Romans were very mighty and strong and powerful. The Roman Empire was gigantic, humongous. Okay. Who else was there? Judea. 
Judea, these were faithful, again, Jewish men who were living in the area around Jerusalem, which is present-day Israel and Palestine. And Judea, of course, was also a Roman province. Now, remember what uh, Jesus told the disciples back in chapter 1, verse 8? He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. And look at this, first Jerusalem, that's the area that they lived in. That's close to home. That's your neighborhood. That's your street. And in all of Judea, that could be your city, whatever city that you live in. And Samaria, that could be your state and to the ends of the earth. So look at the radius that's being expanded and that will be expanded and should be expanded when the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon us and who we all are to be witnesses to. It's witnessing the gospel starts with our family. Once we are born again, then it's up to us to make sure that we witness to our sons, our daughters, our husbands, our wives, our grandmothers, grandfathers, our cousins, aunts and uncles. It starts in our whole house, in our own household first. And then our neighborhood. Then our neighborhood. I remember a while back, years ago, the Lord told me to start a Bible study in my neighborhood. So I went out posted flyers, put flyers up. And I had a Bible study that was, you know, that there were neighbors, my neighbors, surrounding neighbors. There were about five or six of us who met for Bible study. Very powerful time. Who else was, was all there? Verse 10, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia. Again, faithful Jewish men who is living in what is modern day Turkey. So that area, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia is now modern day Turkey. Cappadocia was just located in Eastern Central Turkey. Pontus is in the Northeast on the Black Sea. And Asia, of course, is to the west of the Mediterranean Sea. So again, these were still all Roman provinces. Who else were there? Verse 11. Cretans. Oh, back in, let's look at 10. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, there's Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful words of God. So these, they were also faithful men living in Egypt, what is also known as Egypt today. This was a Roman province and Cyrene. Now Cyrene is, 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 is near present day Shahat in Libya. So that's an African country. At the time of Acts here, modern day Libya was divided into three Roman provinces. Okay, but they still belong to Rome. These were people, Rome, they were Jews who were living in Rome that were in Jerusalem at this time. Cretans, Cretans, Cretans were living on the Isle of Crete. This was an isle uh, of called Crete. It's in the Mediterranean Sea that's now a part of Greece. They were there. It was also, again, part of the Roman province. Arabs, Arabs, present-day Saudi Arabia, 
these were Jews who were living in the Arabian Peninsula then, which is now modern-day Saudi Arabia. So all of these were from all over the world. The known world as, we, as it was known then was represented here on Pentecost. And they were able to hear the gospel in their own language. Now that's key because this first set of tongues the disciples were speaking was not in their own language, but it was in the language of those people that were there. How awesome and ingenious of God that he would pick this particular day when every nation of the known world would be represented in Jerusalem, then to have this powerful activity happen to and upon the apostles where they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. They would speak in the tongues of those known nations of that era so that they would hear the powerful word of God in their own language. That in itself is something that's powerful when you think about it. God is just amazing. Verse 11 or 12 says, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this be? And others marking said they are full of new wine. So you're going to always have people who are going to hear and see and experience something that they've never experienced, especially if it's from the spirit. And you're going to have two thoughts that are going to occur. You're going to have those who will be excited about it, amazed about it, and they want a, to be a part of it. And then you're going to have the doubters. So what are we supposed to do? Let's prove the doubters wrong because the things of the spirit are foolishness to men. To those who are carnal and to those who are fleshly minded, the things of the spirit don't make sense. They're not supposed to make sense and they won't make sense. So they thought that these men, well, you know, they, they've got to be drunk. Perhaps they're drunk. In fact, they are drunk. They're full of the new wine. But look at what Peter does and says in verse 14. After Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. The third hour of the day was nine o'clock. Remember, we looked at hours and I did a, a description of hours and we talked about hours and we discussed the hours when we looked at countdown to Calvary. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17, and he's quoting it. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. This is all coming from Joel chapter two, that the apostle Peter, yes, the same apostle who denied Jesus three times, the same apostle that when Jesus uh, was uh, died and was resurrected. He asked for Peter when he told the disciples, he told the women, go tell my disciples that I'm alive. Where is Peter? Go tell Peter. Jesus asked for Peter. This is the same Peter that when Jesus appeared to them along the seashore after resurrection and uh, he prepared a meal for them and he asked Peter three times the same question. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. This is the same person. He goes on to say in verse 19, I will show signs, wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the gospel. This is the gospel in a nutshell. So we're not going to read the rest of Acts chapter 2, continuing on in verse 22, but I encourage you to do so. So I'm going to, though, um, go to verse 32, Acts 2.32, and says, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from him the father the promise of the Holy Spirit he poured out this which you now see and hear for David did not ascend into the heaven but he says of himself so he goes on to explain Jesus has ascended he's now standing sitting on the right hand of the father and this is that that he promised to us in the book of Luke in the gospel of Luke when he said, I promise to send you the Holy Spirit. This is what you are seeing now. Uh, let's go to 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. It says, now when they were heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there it is again, the gospel and the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says to repent of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse uh, 39. This is key. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, there are many who believe and say that the Holy Spirit and this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not for today. But we're reading here that this promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's and the manifestations of those who receive the gift is for as many of the Lord or as the Lord will call for those who are here now, as well as those who are far off. Well, wouldn't you say that you and I are the far off? Wouldn't you say that you and I have been called to the Lord? If you are a believer of Jesus Christ and you have been called to the Lord, the gift of the Holy Spirit belongs to you. Jesus is the baptizer. He said, I will ask the Father and he will send the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit if you will ask him to do so. Verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. 
Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Look at this. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to, to them, to the kingdom. 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom as a result of, number one, the Holy Spirit coming upon the 120 who were in the upper room, which came and gave them power, which caused a man who had denied Christ three times, who was fearful, to stand among all of these people and the nations of the world that were represented there and to preach this powerful sermon. The, the manifestation of it and the proof of the power and that it was the power of the Holy Spirit and not the man was in the fact that 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people were saved. Look at verse 42. I know I said that we weren't going to read it, but we pretty much have read it. So the, but that's a good thing. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. Okay, so this is the work of the church or the work of the believers after Pentecost. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which was the word of God, and fellowship, gathering together in the breaking of bread and in prayer. So look at those three things that the church, because this is the birthing of the church, this is what they did. They gathered together steadfastly in teaching. They gathered together in fellowship and they prayed. These three things, the word of God, fellowshipping and gathering together and prayer. Verse 43 says, fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions with goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so, verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, going from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all other people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, we... We have embarked on something here as we looked at how the early church originated. The early church originated on the day of Pentecost. It has been known to be the day or the birth of the church. So, you know, we looked at Pentecost as it related to the Jews. But what is the significance to us as Christians? OK, now we see that the church was birthed in power. The church was birthed in power. There were signs and wonders. Souls were added to the church. The apostles and the disciples of Jesus uh, stayed in the, or they gathered together. They, they gathered together in houses. Because remember, they were gathering together in temples first. Now we see house churches. You know, it wasn't so much that for us, and I know especially for me, this is how I felt about that. In the corona, the, the you know, the COVID-19 pandemic that they said that churches were closed, churches were never closed. The doors of a physical building were closed, but churches were never closed. We were still gathering. We still, uh, many of us still had outside services. We were still uh, streaming services live. But in terms of 
gathering together and we were gathering together i loved watching the services of many churches that were gathering and had gathered outside in their parking lots that was a beautiful thing still is a beautiful thing because people who normally would not step into the four walls of a church could drive by and see a group of people gathered in a parking lot maybe drive up and hear the word of god i have even heard that many churches their um membership has increased as a result of them not gathering inside of a building the four walls of a church had us exactly that within four walls but the church is not the four walls the church is in you and the church is in me so these house churches going from house to house began here before there was an actual temple now the jews met in the synagogue but these are christians and when you continue reading the book of Acts, it says they were first called Christians in Antioch. But we see there's a change and there's something new. So when the reset, when God pressed the reset button on Pentecost, something new, that's what we said in the definition was, right? To set, adjust, fix in a new or different way. There began a new way of worshiping and serving God. So, that was the one of the significance of Pentecost, that the church was birthed in power. Now, so there's a transition. The transition was from the Jews, from the law that was on stone. Remember, the, on Pentecost, in the Old Testament, God engraved his word on tablets of stone, on the Ten Commandments, which were the law. But there's a transition now that we see when God is now pinning his words on the hearts of men. So transitioning from the law to that of the spirit, where the New Testament and the Testament, the words of God is engraved on the hearts of men. This is, uh, I read this and I wanna read this to you. It says, as once to the Hebrew people freed from Egypt, the law was given on Mount Sinai on the 50th day after the sacrifice of the lamb, so after the passion of Christ, God's lamb, the lamb of God, when the true lamb of God was killed on the 50th day from his resurrection, the Holy Spirit came down on the apostles and the community of believers. Look at the parallels of the old and the new. In the Old Testament, it was the sacrifice of the lamb, the spotless lamb that the Jews did 50 days after that. On Mount Sinai, God gave the Ten Commandments. Well, here, 50 days after the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the precious Lamb of God, again, God visits his, visits his people with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, coming upon the men and women of God and with God's words written in their hearts. The uh, next significance that we see is the spread of the gospel now notice he said jesus said from judea jerusalem and to samaria so from judea and jerusalem were the jews and judaism itself okay the the jewish law the jewish religion of judaism well it now began to spread because we know that those men and women from other nations were going to take that gospel back to those countries that they came from so to the world Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. It was the spread of the gospel. That's the second significance 
of Pentecost. Number one, the church was birthed in power. And number two, the gospel was spread. Three, God's harvest of souls. So because it was a pilgrim, pilgrimage holiday and these people were traveling to Jerusalem, it was the perfect timing, as we said, of God. He said, a harvest of souls. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. God equipped his laborers to go after the harvest. Because remember, he said, after you receive power. That is what is the difference between a person who has been filled with the spirit of God and a person who maybe is not spirit filled. There's power. It's not just the tongues. Now, remember, these tongues that were initially spoken by the believers were known tongues, unknown to them, but known to the people who were around. When we read, go into, again, I encourage you to go into the book of Acts and it talks about tongues, how they were filled and they spoke with tongues. The speaking of tongues is a manifestation of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In the book of 1 Corinthians, I believe 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul talks about how I will pray in the spirit, which is the tongues of the spirit. Your prayer language, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you have a prayer language, it is the prayer of heaven. It says, I will speak with other tongues. And when I speak with other tongues, I don't speak in understanding. My understanding, my mind is not knowing what I'm speaking because I'm speaking unto God. I'm speaking the language of the spirit. I'm speaking the language of heaven. And the beauty, the beauty about speaking in tongues is that you the enemy doesn't know what you're saying so he can't intervene number one and number two you can pray forever and ever remember when we were talking about you know overnight i was sharing with you about um all night prayer and i was saying well uh, all night prayer was going to be from 11 at night till six in the morning and i was thinking how do you pray for six hours well if you're praying in the spirit you can with your beautiful heavenly language you can so also, the significance to the believer, number uh, four, is the fulfillment of prophecy. We saw that in Joel chapter two, that this was a fulfillment of what Joel chapter two, what the prophet Joel prophesied when he said, I will pour out my spirit upon your, upon your sons and your daughters. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Well, all flesh, all flesh represented the nation's that were in well the jews who were in the upper room but that also outpoured that outpouring because they didn't just stay there that it just flowed from the upper room into the area where everybody else was standing and hearing all the other nations of the world so the significance again of pentecost for us as believers is number one the church was birthed in power number two the gospel spread it from Jerusalem and Judea to the uttermost parts of the world. Number three, there was a harvest of souls. God now had a people who would be able to go out to reap and work the harvest. Number four, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. And number five, renewal or reset. God had pushed the pause button during the 40 days that Jesus, after resurrection, was with his disciples, but he was about to release that pause button and push the reset button. Again, remember what we said reset was. Reset is to set, adjust, to fix in a new or different way. 
Everything that we are reading about beginning in Acts chapter 2 is new. A new way of looking at God, a new way of serving God, a new way of worshiping God, a new way of fellowshipping with God and with one another, a new place in which to worship God and house churches. We see the birth of the church. We see the transition from Judaism to Christianity. All of this is new, new. And all of this occurred 50 days after. So the celebration of Pentecost, Pentecost represents new beginnings, new beginnings for all. Whether it's we're celebrating a new church, uh, I remember or, or I heard from a couple of pastors who and leaders of churches who were saying, we don't know if we're going to want to go back inside. Because, again, like I said, the churches were never closed. You can't command something to be open that was never closed to begin with. Just the doors of a building were closed. But the word of God was never closed. The gathering of believers were ne never closed. We still had chances to do so. And and it also forced us to be creative in thinking about how we were going to gather together as believers. So it, it was a new thing. It's been a new thing. That's why I said earlier and previously that there's no such thing as going back to the normal. We probably we won't go back to the normal. There is no going back to the normal. So, again, new beginnings, uh, a new way of celebrating God, the celebration of a new church and a, a celebration of a renewal of the spirit within oneself. During these 10 days from last Friday until this Friday and really two more days, like I said, Sunday is um, is actually Pentecost. I encourage you all to be really in prayerful mode and to really be checking in to look at your own spiritual lives, lives and to check in with the Holy Spirit and, and, and maybe ask for a renewal. Lord, renew a right spirit within, renew a steadfast spirit in re me, renew a hunger for the word of God, renew uh, songs of deliverance in me, renew a love for the people of God, renew a love for the gospel. Lord, let there be a renewal on the inside of me. And then the celebration of the Holy Spirit. We are now in the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus God the Father in heaven, Jesus the Son, God the Son is on the right hand of the Father in heaven, but the Holy Spirit is here with us. He dwells on the inside of you. He dwells on the inside of me. That's a new thing. I loved Benny Hinn's book. I read it several times. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, it's one of the most powerful books that I've ever read that talks about the relationship that we as believers in the new covenant are to have with the Holy Spirit. He's with us here. We get to speak to him every day. We get to address him every day. We get to talk to him. He is the God. He is the God of power. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to live this Christian uh, life in a victorious way. To overcome sin, to overcome evil, to overcome temptation. You need power to do so. And the Holy Spirit is the power. When he indwells on the inside of us and when we allow him to control our lives, he gives us power. Not only does he give us power, but he gives us fruit, the fruit of the spirit as it, as, as it, as it is found in Galatians. He gives us meekness, temperance, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience. All those things that we need, those are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And, and maybe one day I'll do a teaching on the Holy Spirit. 
And we also have the gifts of the spirit, which is a whole nother teaching. He gives us the gifts of the spirit. There's uh, nine gifts of the spirit, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the gift of faith, the, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, so forth and so on. Again, that's for you to look at and research out. But what I want us to understand and to, to get today in the rest is that in the reset is that God has reset and, and, you know, he's going to do some things even when, uh, as we look further into the year now with our, everything that's beginning to open and all the various states moving into, uh, stages of reopening and phases of reopening, God is doing something new as he reopens the church, not reopens as opening up doors of a building, but reopening the church as he's reopening the spirit of his people to be sensitive to the leading, the guiding, and the direction of the Holy Spirit in a way that we've never gone before. And he had to do that. He had to pause us first. But now his finger is paused, paused, or poised, I should say, right above the reset button. Pentecost is going to be a time of newness for us and renewal. Expect it. It's this coming Sunday. We're a couple of days away. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I address you today because you are with us. You dwell and live on the inside of us. Your presence oftentimes is ignored. We forget that you are the third person of the Godhead who Jesus said, I will leave with you. Because you're here, we are not comfortless, but we have comfort. You are our guide. You are our teacher. You are our illuminator. You are our friend. You give us power to live right, to walk right. Thank you, Holy Spirit, sweet Spirit of God. Let us acknowledge you even more. Let us draw even closer to you even more. Let us walk into your presence and be in your presence and invite you into ours as we look to you. Thank you for our renewal renewal of spirit, renewal of churches, this body, church, renewal of our love for the Word of God, renewal for the things of God, renewal for the people of God. Reset us. Let us not think business as usual. Let us not act business as usual. Even when the time comes when we are able to walk back into a physical building, let it not be the same. Let us not be the same. We want the outpouring of you upon us. Make us new. We want a new language. We want a new tongue. Thank you that we will be filled with you. We desire to be filled with you, full of you, full of your power, full of your love. We thank you and we look forward to Pentecost. Let every day be a Pentecost. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Victorious Life is Yours.
Each week, I will cheer you on to cross your finish lines of victory. You can find me on social media and on my website, ReneeMarieJones.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment. Until the next time, victorious ones. <laughs>